Hi, my name is Christy Kramer, and this is Michigan Unsolved, the true crime podcast that is solely focusing on unsolved cases in Michigan. There is no case too small. My goal is to give victims of unsolved crimes the voice they deserve. Hey everyone, welcome back. I hope everyone is getting ready for springtime. I know here in Michigan, we are still waiting for it to arrive. It may technically be spring, but it is cold and rainy today in southeastern Michigan. And um, I am kind of over it. I know it seems like a broken record. I say this every week, but I am definitely looking forward to the warmer temperatures. I looked at the 10 day forecast and I saw the number 70 and I am very excited. So um, that is awesome. I hope wherever you are listening, it is much warmer. Um, I know that we gained listeners in Mexico this week, as well as Denmark. So welcome to the Michigan Unsolved family. We are very grateful to have you guys here. I believe we are now in 10 countries outside of the U.S., so just keep them coming. I'm absolutely loving the international um, listeners. And um, from our episode last week, we gained so many new listeners and so many people were interested in Kyle Moser's story that um, I'm getting a lot of feedback from people asking to cover more cases. So what I'm planning to do is normally the cases are posted on Monday. Um, I am recording this on a Friday and it will be posted once I edit it. I'm not going to wait until Monday. What I'm going to try to do is get possibly one or two cases out a week. On um, that second case, I mean, obviously, definitely the first case will go, but um, I'm going to try to get a second case out every week because of the fact that I have had my email and my messenger on Facebook has blown up with so many people giving me names to cover, and it is completely heartbreaking. Um, I will be honest with you, I, all my free time outside of taking care of the dogs um, is dedicated to telling these stories. And, you know, I, I work 50 hours a week, but, you know, that's okay. All my, all the other time <laughs> is dedicated to to you guys, the listeners, and, and the stories of your loved ones. And, um, you know, I've, I've said it a hundred times. I want to give these victims a voice and that is my goal. And if it, if I have to give up more of my free time to do more research, to tell a second story, to get these stories out there, that's fine. I have no problem with that because ultimately, um, like I said, this podcast is about, is about them and it just, it just breaks my heart. And that brings me to today's case. And I know, um, I had told you I was going to take some time off from children, and I did. I gave you guys a couple weeks reprieve, but here we go again. Um, you had, uh, it looks like we have, uh, we had three weeks children free. So 
unfortunately, uh, this is the uh, story of two missing children. Um, but before we get into today's case, I wanted to give you a few facts um, from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, because um, this story also not only deals with two missing children, but it deals with the murder of their mother. Now, the their mother's murder is not unsolved. It is it is solved, but uh, the the missing children, the, their disappearance is not. So, first of all, fact number one: on an average, nearly twenty people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than ten million women and men. Please do not miss that that little three-letter word and okay this is not domestic violence is not one-sided it can happen against women and men and I we can't get any more clearer than that than episode 10 with the murder of David Carter senior because that that is it right there I mean you know his his girlfriends you know murdered him and um, it, it happens both ways. Uh, fact number two, on a typical day, there are more than 2,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. Tw I'm sorry, 20,000 phone calls on a typical day. Fact three, 19% of domestic violence involves a weapon. Fact four, intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. 15% of all violent crime is intimate partner violence. That hurts me to think of that. You know, my, my parents were married for nearly 45 years. Yes, they argued. Um, my father would never lay a hand on my mother. My mother would have never laid a hand on my father. Um, in my head, that's the kind of relationship that should be had. Um, I've been involved with somebody for seven years. Uh, we've never even argued. I know in my heart, because of the heart that he has he would never lay a hand on me and it breaks my heart to think that um that people can that people can do that and I look at my son and I raised my son to never lay a hand on a woman and you know what that remember this as people bring up their children the importance of respect of the opposite sex or within a same sex relationship. It can happen. It's, it's, we're not talking husband and wives. We're not talking, we're not talking that we're talking intimate partner. I don't care man and man, woman and woman, boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever. It can happen. Okay. And, um, just remember that teach your children about the respect of one another. Okay, and that brings me to fact five. One in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year. 
one in 15. Let me say that again. One in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year. And 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to the crime. Now, like I said, I brought my son up to, to respect women, to, to respect women and never lay a hand on them. I would never lay a hand on my partner because that is how my parents raised me. And I know that my son will never lay a hand on his partner because that is how I raised him. How the, this one in 15 children, if this is what they know, what is going to happen in their future? How is their future going to look like if they've witnessed their one of their parents being violent with the other. One in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to the crime. Today we are going to discuss the 2014 disappearance of six-year-old Kayla Nevea Hunter and seven-month-old Christian Dewan Justice. But before we talk about their disappearance, let's talk about their mom and tragically her murder. Alicia Fox was a shining star with a bright future ahead of her. At 27, she was a loving mother to her two beautiful children and a wife of four months to 28-year-old Aaron Justice. No one could deny how much Alicia loved her children. They were the light of her life. They were her everything. By May of 2014, things in her short marriage were not good. They had been together for a while. Um, Aaron was the father of Christian. So even though they'd only been married for four months, they'd obviously been together for quite some time. And uh, Aaron had a history of violence with women and other people. Um, and his wife was no exception to that. Alicia knew the well-being of and the safety of her children was the most important thing. So she began to make plans to keep them safe and she planned to leave her husband. On Saturday, April, um, Saturday, May 24th, Alicia and her children and her extended family had a party to celebrate the Memorial Day weekend. A beautiful, sunny day with temperatures in the 70s was the perfect way to unofficially start the summer. And according to Alicia's family, she seemed happy that day and she knew good things were ahead of her for her and her kids. Most notably was her daughter Kayla's upcoming kindergarten graduation. Now, as a mom, I get this so much. In the spring of my son's kindergarten year, I had called the school to get the date for the graduation, only for them to tell me there wouldn't be one because there were four kindergarten classes and a few of the kids would not be moving on to the first grade. They found it better to just not have a graduation. And I cried. Okay, I cried a lot when he was little, but... I had been looking forward to that since he was born. I remember my own kindergarten graduation, so it was a special thing for me 
and I'm sure it was special for Alicia. She even got Kayla a cap and gown, and they were going to make it a family event. They were going to celebrate sweet six-year-old Kayla. On Thursday, June 5th, 2014, Alicia's mom and her sister and other family members arrived at the school, including Kayla's dad, Kevin Hunter. I can only imagine the smiles on their faces as they were, as they were excited to see their sweet little Kayla and her tiny cap and gown. But they couldn't find Alicia at the school or Kayla. And when they asked, they were told that Kayla hadn't been there that day for the ceremony. And in fact, she hadn't been to school in a few days. And this completely shocked the family and they immediately became worried. Some of the family members drove straight to the house that Alicia and the kids shared with Aaron Justice. There were no cars in the driveway and the house was locked, but they were able to see through a window in the kitchen to see what they could find. Alicia's sister Christine looked through the glass and was shocked to find that the areas of the house that were visible appeared to be empty. And all she could see were bottles of bleach on the counter in the kitchen. They knew something was wrong, so they immediately called the Detroit police and then went to talk to some of the neighbors. One of the neighbors had told them that the house had had some plumbing problems and the family was going to be moving. That didn't make any sense because Alicia is extremely close to her family and she would have told them that. And they knew that she was planning on leaving Aaron, so why would she move with him? So when the police arrived, they were able to gain entrance into the house, and what they found was shocking. The entire house was empty. There was nothing left, including the family's dog, a white pit bull. It had been cleaned top to bottom with bleach. And also missing from the driveway was Alicia's Chevy Impala. Now, I've moved a couple of times in my life, and we always clean before we leave, but we've never used bleach. And this was pre-COVID, so there was no reason to sanitize or disinfect the house. Police, like the neighbor, believed that they just moved away. But this was really hard for Alicia's family, including Kayla's um, father, Kevin Hunter. They all knew there was no way that Alicia would move away with the kids without telling anyone. Kevin Hunter did tell the police that Alicia had sent him a text on the day on June 3rd, although it's not known what the text said. At this time, the police chief stated that the mother packed up and left her residence with the children, so it was not an emergency situation. By Friday, June 6th, 2014, still believing that something was terribly wrong, Kevin Hunter officially filed the missing persons report for Alicia and both children. Since the police did not believe anyone was actually missing, the family took the investigation into their own hands. They searched the neighborhood, put up flyers. They looked everywhere. They looked for any signs of Alicia and the kids. And then a clue. In a donation bin at a nearby church, they found all of Alicia's clothes and pictures. 
pictures of her children. Now, the clothes is one thing, but no mother as passionately devoted to her children as Alicia was going to just toss away or give away her children's pictures. This is what the family really truly needed to be sure. They knew there was no way that Alicia tossed photos of her children. They knew something was wrong. They knew that she did not just leave. They knew somebody did something to her. So for days, the family continued to search. And then Monday, June 9th, the family got an anonymous tip. That, um, that Alicia might be in a house about seven miles away from where she lived with her husband. The family, including Alicia's uncle Michael, went straight to this boarded-up house on Penrod Street. It was, an, it was obviously a vacant house, so Alicia's uncle made entry into the house. But from the moment he entered, he was overtaken by the overwhelming smell of death. And he followed the smell to the basement. I can't even imagine what was going through his mind as he approached that door and made his way down the stairs. On the floor of the basement, he saw, he saw an old rotting door on top of blankets and a tarp. I'm sure he didn't want to in that moment, but he knew he had to investigate. Under the door... And beneath the blankets, wrapped in a tarp, was a decomposing body. It wasn't recognizable, but the body before him was wearing a pair of purple basketball shorts. These shorts were known by Alicia's family as an item of clothing that she absolutely loved. That purple fabric hit him in the heart. And in that moment, he knew. But then, like a ton of bricks, there was a question that needed to be answered. Where was Kayla and Christian? The police were immediately called and the vacant boarded up house was now a crime scene. The house was searched for, from top to bottom, looking for the children, but there was no sign of them. Neighbors were canvassed. Someone had to have seen someone, and someone did. On Memorial Day, Monday, May 26th, two days after Alicia was seen with her, at her family's barbecue, a U-Haul truck had been backed up to the house. Neighbors just thought that somebody was finally moving in. And when checking out the U-Haul, they found that Aaron Justice had rented a U-Haul from May 25th to May 28th. 300 miles were put on the truck during that time, but it never left the Detroit area. Now that there was proof of a crime, police went back to the house on Ardmore Street that Alicia lived in with her husband. They wanted to see what else they could find. Maybe something was missed the last time. They didn't really do a thorough investigation because they figured the family had just moved. And after a more thorough search, they found a bullet 
lodged in a wall, and a small amount of blood spatter on the ceiling that had obviously been missed during the cleanup. Police even ordered the yard to be dug up in the search of more evidence, and God forbid, the children, but nothing was found. The, church for, the search for the children was accelerating, and there was also the question of where was Aaron Justice. Then, on Wednesday, June 11th, the medical examiner's report confirmed what the family already knew. The body in the vacant house, the body that was wearing the much-loved purple shorts, was in fact 27-year-old mother of two, Alicia Fox. The report showed that Alicia had been shot six times, two of which were to her head. And it also showed that the medical examiner believed she had been killed between May 25th and May 27th. Aaron Justice had purchased a plane ticket to Atlanta, and the same day that the autopsy results were released, the man believed to be the one with the knowledge of Alicia's murder and the location of her children was found. Aaron was arrested in Georgia on the charge of being a fugitive from justice. But unfortunately, he was alone. Kayla and Christian were not with him. Searches for the children continued. Aaron was questioned about the murder and the location of the children, but he would not say a word. Yet another man was arrested in connection with Alicia's murder. Timothy Jones was a friend of Aaron Justice's. Jones told police that Justice called him and said he needed help finding the key, finding Alicia's keys. When Jones arrived at the house on Ardmore Street, six-year-old Kayla was playing in the yard. Upon entering the house, he saw baby Christian strapped in a stroller. Aaron told Tim, Timony, I'm sorry. Aaron told Timothy that he needed to find Alicia's keys, and he took him to the attic where, wrapped up in blankets, was the dead body of his wife. They moved her body to locate her keys that were on her person. Aaron told T Timothy that he had killed Alicia because she was trying to leave him. He said they argued and that he blacked out, and when he came to, he was shooting. Aaron showed Timothy his forty caliber gun and handed him a small box containing eight shell casings and asked him to get rid of them. Timothy ended up dumping the casings into two separate sewers in Detroit, and the casings have yet to be found. He says after he left the house, Aaron called him about 10 times, but he claims that he ignored all the calls. Timothy told police that he helped Aaron because he was given a pair of designer sunglasses and a watch and the promise of money in the future. He also stated that when he left the house, the children were there and unharmed. He left two defenseless children. He left a six-year-old little girl and a seven-month-old baby with the man that brutally murdered their mother. 
This goes back to the facts that I told you in the beginning. You may wonder why some women do not leave abusive relationships. And that is because the time that they are preparing to leave and after they leave can be the most dangerous. It is said that 75% of women who are killed by their partners are killed while preparing to leave and just after. So think about that the next time you ask that question. Why didn't they just leave? Because it's not that easy. Searches for the children continued. Abandoned homes were searched, as well as local parks, including Rouge Park, the biggest park in Detroit. Alicia's car was finally found in a junkyard in Taylor, a few cities away south of Detroit. It had already been stripped by the time it was found, but it was sold to the junkyard by Aaron Justice. On June 19th, Alicia's white pit bull was found wandering the streets. It had strangulation marks on its neck and cigarette burns on its chest. Police believe that he may have been sold to a dog fighting ring or Aaron himself tortured the dog. It was very well known to Alicia's family that the dog was fiercely loyal to Alicia and would most likely have tried to protect her. He was provided vet care and taken in by a foster home. In June of 2015, Aaron Justice pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and felony firearm charge and was sentenced to 47 to 82 years in prison. This was a plea deal. A plea deal handed to this man, and it did not include the location of Kayla and Christian. Talk about dropping the ball. How did a plea deal of a murderer not include the location of the children? Alicia's mother told the Detroit Free Press when speaking of Aaron Justice, this devil disguised himself as an angel. He came right into our homes and ate from our plates and drank from our glasses. She said he has destroyed so many lives. When it comes to the children, Alicia's sister Christine says she has to have hope. Time isn't enough proof. Time isn't enough proof. Over the years, there have been very few tips on the children's whereabouts. But the family follows up on each one. Aaron Justice flew to Georgia alone, but maybe they were given to someone beforehand? Let's think about this. Alicia's clothes were found in that church bin and other bins around the area, but nothing belonging to the children was found. No evidence that the children were harmed in any way. Now, let's think about narcissism. Aaron Justice is the definition of a narcissist. And what would be more narcissistic than killing the woman who tried to leave you and then hiding her children so her family could not have them? Think about that. Time isn't enough proof. This family has hope 
and rightfully so. Somebody knows something. Kayla Nevea Hunter was born November 8th, 2007. She would be 15 now. Christian Dewan Justice was born October 2nd, 2013, and today he would be eight. Time isn't enough proof. There is hope. I guarantee you that Chris, that Alicia is looking down and she is screaming, have faith that my babies will come home. Please check out the photos on the Michigan Unsolved Facebook group. I will be posting photos of the children. I have not been able to find any age progression photos, but they are beautiful, beautiful babies. Look into their eyes. Memorize their eyes. Also, please like and follow the Facebook page, Bring Kayla and Christian Home. That is, and I'm sorry, Bring Home Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A-H, and Christian, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Bring Home Kayla and Christian. Um, I, One of the family members runs this page, okay? Um, they post constantly on their information pictures there's even a sweet precious video of baby christian let's let's do our part memorize their faces somebody knows something there is no evidence that these children are dead at all if anything i think arguably there's more evidence that they're still alive I truly wish there was more information to give you about these beautiful children, but there's so little to go by. I believe that they are out there and I pray that one day they find their way home to the loving family that they have waiting for them. The domestic violence hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. A-F-E, or you can text the word START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Alicia's beautiful children, please contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-SPEAK-UP, 1-800-S-P-E-A-K-U-P. Or message the Bring Home Kayla and Christian Facebook page. Let's do our part. Because again, one more time, time isn't enough proof. I really want to thank Alicia's family for keeping the baby's story alive. Because that's all they are. They are babies. We do not know what they witnessed. The innocent, innocent children. It's 
remember, 1 in 15. 1 in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to the crime. We as people must do better. Again, let me remind you that I am going to be posting more often because the abundance. And when I first started this podcast, I struggled to find cases. Shockingly. And now I am overwhelmed with the amount of unsolved cases in Michigan. I've done so many locally to southeastern Michigan because that's what's easy for me to find. It's, it's, I hear about them. I see them on the news. I read them in the paper, whatnot. I, those are the ones that I, that I see that are in my face all the time. And now I'm hearing about so much more from Northern Michigan, from Western Michigan. Absolutely heart-wrenching. And it is my goal to give every single case that I have been reached out to about, to give these victims a voice. Until next time, this has been Michigan Unsolved.